Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers To Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. Vidane and Smith up front together? Nah, won't work. again and he's got it Gavin was closing in oh Gavin has scored Abdul Osman against Brad Jones to put Liverpool out of the cup and not that to three hello welcome to this week's it's all cobblers to me I'm your host Charles and with me to discuss the FA Cup win over Chippenham our second round opponents and this Saturday's league game against crew are Chessie and Danny how are you guys you all right yeah, good, thank you. Good, Charles, good, good. Probably a little bit more awake than you are. Just a little bit. Uh, as you may have gathered, Neil isn't with us this week. Uh, we're not sure where he is, actually. is the last time I saw him. He was tied to a lamppost on the main strip in Albufeira in Portugal. Uh, but never mind, eh? We'll do it, just the three of us. Coming up later in the podcast, we find out all there is to know about Crew Alexandra from the Crew Alex Fancast's Ant Evans, and we're debating midfield maestros thanks to at Cobbler's Kev's question in this week's edition of Neil's Postbag. I'm Nicky Adams, and it's all Cobbler's to me. Before we talk chippers, though, I've got a brand new feature for you. One of the best ways of helping the podcast is through rating and reviewing the podcast on your podcast app. A favourite of mine is Apple Podcasts, for instance. By rating us five stars and leaving a comment about the podcast, you'll help more people find It's All Cobblers to Me. So once you've listened to today's episode, head over to the review section of your app and leave us a comment, just like C.A. West did. Have been a listener since the first episode and really enjoy this podcast. Back for the 2019-20 season with new contributors and improvements to the format. Strikes a great balance between comedy and fun on one hand, knowledge and information on the other. Presenters have established a good relationship with the club, but remain independent and are not afraid to tell it how it is. An excellent resource for Cobblers fans. Thank you to all involved. On Saturday, the Cobblers were hoping to avoid a cup upset as they travelled to National League Southside, Chippenham Town. Thankfully, the result was a favourable 3-0 victory, but for many, it was actually the performance that was most pleasing. Chessie, you made the trip to Wiltshire. What did you make of good old chippers? Um, it was a really good day, actually. Um, it was. It looked like a really lovely club. Um, uh, it, it was obviously your run-of-the-mill non-league club and the surroundings. It was absolute carnage getting to the ground to the point where we actually abandoned the car in a random side street because we were so worried we were going to not get there. Um, Pro- proper non-league, that. <laughs> yeah, were, proper non-league. When you were describing and your car park thing, it sounded like Woodstock, Jesse. Like it literally car, was. People climbing over the fence. and It, it was um, a, a real uh, interesting day out. But I, I have to say it was a, a brilliant, a brilliant club. It was a brilliant atmosphere. They had loads of fans. Obviously, they normally get a gate of about 400. There was tons of them there. So, which was really, really good. Um, but in terms of the performance, it was very professional. Um, we got the job done. 
early, which we needed to do, and we didn't really give Chippenham a chance to get into the game, which is what I expected. Um, if you actually asked me directly after the game, I was a little bit disappointed with the second half because we had done the job. We didn't need to do any more, but we could have done more. So um, for, for those of you that weren't there, we were um, kicking towards our own fans in the second half and we were right behind the goal. Um, and it would have been really good to see a couple of goals go in that end, but we didn't. Um, and actually, you 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 can't really criticise for that. You just have to say, you know, they did a professional job. They did what they needed to do in the first half. And if you take into account that this is an FA Cup match, we've come away from that unscathed with no real injuries and there's no major problems with the squad. So actually, it's probably a really good result. Yeah, I'd agree with that. The couple of Cobblers fans that I've spoken to, well, this morning while I was still in Northampton, actually, they said pretty much exactly the same, which is that while, yes, for us as fans, it would have been nice to have had a better second half. I mean, I actually managed to watch the second half thanks to the Bet365 app um, and thanks to Danny for telling me that I could do that. Um, but I was in the air on, on a plane coming back from Portugal during the first half and I felt a bit like it was my fault that we weren't as entertaining to watch, shall we say, in that second half. But definitely what, what did you fault. make of it? Yeah, definitely my fault. What did you actually make of the whole performance, Danny? Um, I think we, like Chessie said, I think we did exactly what we had to do for this one. Just um, whenever you go away to a non-league team in the cup, you've got to just soak up the first tw- 10, 20 minutes because they're, they're, they're definitely going to come at you. They're going to pressure you. Um, we would have expected that. And then we just took our chances. Apart from Nicky Adams, he missed an absolute sitter. Um, we started, we just took every chance that came our way, really, and just killed it off. I think Curl played pretty much the right kind of player for this one. I think there was a few eyebrows raised with the Oliver and Smith front two, but I actually think it was probably the right decision. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people saying that, but obviously he could have, he afforded to keep um, his big gun, Sam Hoskins, on the bench and didn't need to bring him on. That was a positive. Do you know that, that, is this the first game Sam Hoskins hasn't started? Or played a part in? Because he didn't come off the of, bench, did he? No, he didn't. No, we, well, he's obviously resting him for the bigger games, and he is, is the key man. Um, <laughs> but I don't actually think it was his type of game. It, it potentially would have been late on to tire him out, but there wasn't really any need to to bring him on. And it wasn't the game type of game to stretch te- stretch the team, was it? It was more the let's get at them, let's get let's battle them, let's come away with the with the win, let's get it done and get home again. It was certainly and Chessie, I'll, I'll go back to you here because you were actually at the game. Um, it certainly seemed like you had a better day than, say, the Cobblers have had on previous visits to non-league grounds in the first round of the FA Cup. Let's think about uh, Stourbridge, obviously, uh, probably the most recent howler that we've had. Basingstoke, where it was freezing cold. And then there's obviously Canvey Island as well, where I remember not only getting caught on telly swearing by my mum, so sorry, mum, again, <laughs> uh, but also being pelted. Uh, with coins and whatnot from the home fans as well all the way through the game. That that doesn't seem to have happened this time around. No, I think he set up the uh, the squad to be quite professional um, and to c- exploit their weaknesses and exploit their strength. Um, if you looked at Chippenham just as, as a squad, the height advantage we had was ridiculous um, and actually including Harry Smith in, in the starting 11 was was a bit of a masterstroke because his height advantage just caused havoc in the penalty area. But what I thought was a really, really good addition was actually starting Matty Wilburton because he has that experience and he 
a couple of times as well, he was you could hear him calling for the ball because he knew he'd find space in certain areas because he knew that he had that experience to draw on from when he was playing in non-league. So he could he knew the spaces to run into where they, he wouldn't find an opposition player there. So tactically, it was set up beautifully in the in the first half. And we really did do a great job of, of keeping it absolutely perfect and absolutely sharp where we needed to be. And once we got the first goal, you kind of knew what was coming. Um, they didn't really give Chippenham the opportunity to do anything, really. And actually, I have to say, if it wasn't for Chippenham's keeper, we'd have been 6-7-0 up in the first half because he, he'd he had an absolute storming match and uh, he really, really kept them in the game, so to speak. I know we, we were 3-0 up at half-time, but if it wasn't for him... Will, Will Puddy, I think more. his name was, um, from memory. Yeah, he was brilliant. Well, I I mean, one of the things that I saw after the game was James Hennigan tweeted a very simple tweet that simply said, it's almost unfair having Alan McCormack in this side. (laughs) He just bossed it yet again, didn't he, Danny? He did. It's his type of game. I had an inkling before the game that he was going to absolutely love this game. Charlie Good as well. Um, They just like to get in there and get mix it up, don't they? And got to mention the Thunderbolt from the Cormac to set up, well not set up, but just before the first goal, I think it won the corner, didn't it? And the keeper just pulled off a double save, which was, he pushed it up in the air and then he went back and grabbed it and pushed it away again, which, which I haven't seen much of. But um, Charlie Goode had a bit of a thunderbolt as well, a massive strike from about 30 yards that hit the bar. Um, they were all at it. Just, like, like they were all at it. I thought, I thought um, Arnold was going to have a go. <laughs> uh, but, um, no, I think McCormack's just, it, you can tell he's got that class, and, and especially in this kind of game. Um, and sometimes you get players who are kind of winding down their careers. They drift in this kind of game and they you, they get lost and they're not up for it. But he just looks up for every single game he plays and it doesn't really matter whether it's Chippenham or Chelsea, does it? He's, he's just up for it. Yeah, you mentioned Charlie Good there, Danny. I, I love the fact that, for me, he still managed to play the... Uh, the, the, what what are we calling it? Because I don't like calling it shithousery when it's our own player. But <laughs> there was still at least one occasion where he went to ground and looked up with a cheeky smile after he'd won the free kick. And we were 3-0 up at the time. Uh, I, and, and we're obviously playing a side that are two divisions below us. We're fairly comfortable, dare I say it, that word. And yet he still found room in the game to have a little bit of uh, gamesmanship going on. <laughs> you, you can probably imagine that him and Curlo having a good odd laugh about it in the dressing room afterwards as well. And, uh, <laughs> it's, just, it's just the type of player that Keith Curl probably loves. He loves a bit of that, I think. Um, and out of his captain. I, mean, well, I don't want to see it too much, like the diving and everything, but it is quite funny seeing him get up and start chuckling away. And it? and it's going to is really going to endear him. Really, old he hasn't endeared himself any to a, to the fans as as the captain. I think he's turned out to be exactly the right choice for for the captaincy. They were all at it on on Sunday, though. They um, you had Billy Waters diving all over the shop. Uh, you had Charlie Good up to all sorts, and then Alan McCormack so beautifully winding up the opposition to the point where he would actually applaud when they made a tackle. Um, towards him and it it was just priceless because there was one occasion actually where this Chippenham Town player number 17 he was uh, he was a really he looked like a really good player he's really young lad so you never know we might see more of him as um, years go by but he pulled off a 
beautiful tackle. Um, almost took out Alan McCormick and Alan, Alan McCormick just stood up and applauded and then just walked away. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. I don't know whether that's him taking the mickey or whether he's genuinely like... I, oh, it was. But, but, oh, it was. Absolutely. <laughs> but it could be. If it, you, you imagine, here's a professional footballer who's got, you know, bucket loads of games under his belt all the way pretty much in every division bar the Premier League. A little upstart from, you know, who's normally a postman by day or something, gives him a, a tremendous tag. He might actually turn around and go, do you know what, son? Fair play to you. <laughs> I just love him. There was a comment, I can't remember who he said it. It might have been Ian Townsend said on Twitter earlier, if Alan McCormack could have an argument with himself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he just gets over that. Did He had a problem with Curl, didn't he, at the substitution as well? Wasn't there a little bit of a, an argument there? Oh, no, the argument was between Adams and Keith Curl and the whole entire stadium heard it. It was brilliant. Oh, really? What happened? Yeah. So um, they, we had a free kick and it was wasted. It really was wasted. Um, to be honest, no one really cared because we were cruising. We were in complete control. But Keith Curl was clearly unhappy that we'd wasted it and was screaming across the pitch at Nicky Adams. And um, all the Cobblers fans kind of just looked and at each other like, what's going on here? And then Nicky Adams shrugged his shoulders, to which Keith Curl then screamed at him again. And then we all applauded. It was great. <laughs> but it, it was it, what I love about that is that we've got character we've got character yeah. and we've got somebody who's not afraid to shout at those players and not in a way that intimidates them that frightens them but that gets them going and gets them thinking about what mm. they're doing and and not to be wasteful on the pitch now Nicky Adams is not a wasteful player at all um, and he you know he's an outstanding player on his day but he he just didn't get this free kick right and it just so happened that Keith Curl took, you know, <laughs> took it quite offensively. Well, he, he demands he demands high standards, doesn't he, Curl? He was he talking after the match in the post-match interview uh, with Tim Oglethorpe and Jake Sharp on the BBC saying that we're still not yet at those high standards uh, and those high levels that he expects. And he, he was still talking about this being a building season, and he was saying we're still working towards that goal of being, you know, consistent and having those, As you know, he keeps saying high standards, doesn't he? And I suppose in a way, if, if he did say that in the media after the game, when Nicky Adams has just basically, you know, ballooned the ball and, and essentially not concentrated enough to, to do what he's supposed to do, and he'd not had a go at him, then the play, he maybe would be sending out mixed messages then. Uh, so I think it's good that he had a bit of a pop at Nicky, but I also think it, it's great that he probably knew the kind of reaction that Nicky Adams was going to give him as well. So Kel probably wasn't that angry with him for the shrug of the shoulders. Maybe more of it was to, you know, heat at the moment, what on earth, who do you think you're doing? But I mean, I can't imagine him coming into the changing room at the full time and, and Curl handing down a, a fine to Nicky just for being a bit petulant. No, I, t I totally agree. And I actually think that it shows a great element of um, respect f for the players and the players towards Keith Curl, because actually if they have the freedom and the strength to criticise in constructively on the pitch, then they're going to go a long way. If they can take on board that kind of critique and move forward with it, then you you know you've got a really good springboard for what Keith Carl expects. He has high expectations; they need to meet them. And I think it was really really effective. And actually, I don't think any Cobblers fan 
found it odd. We all found it quite funny because actually it was great that Keith Curl was so animated about it. It's character. We've been missing character from a manager for so many years. Well, we did uh, say, obviously, that we won 3-0 fairly comfortably in the end. Two goals from Verdane Oliver, that his first two in a competitive match for the Cobblers, and a fourth goal in nine games for Harry Smith. Um the fact that before the game, everyone said that they weren't going to be able to play together and it wasn't going to work. And then the pair of them go and basically secure our win. I mean, it does show that we've got some good players in the starting eleven, hasn't it? And then you've got Vidane Oliver coming there as backup. Is that what we're thinking? Or is it a case of, well, it was only Chippenham Town. He should have scored. He should have got a hat-trick. Or what is it, Danny? No, well, he could have, couldn't he? I mean, you know, the FA Cup has its famous finals, doesn't it? Like, you know, they, they call it Stanley Matthews final, the Ricky Villa final, the Stephen Gerrard final. Was there a horse final, white horse final or something once? I think this will forever be known as the Verdane Oliver first round. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, it does what, sound what like you backed yourself into a corner with that I, one, Danny. Did you expect more laughs? Sorry. <laughs> We can put a laughter track on it afterwards, um, but no, he's uh, is in the right place, at the right time. I think he'd missed one just before his goals, and he hit missed, the bar, um, didn't he? It, he yeah, the bar. Well, yeah, he probably should have scored that. But um, I, I enjoyed the little flick for his second goal. That was a little bit of love, a little flick, little back heel action, little flick, <laughs> little, little uh, back heel action from there. And yeah, I, I don't think they'll play both of them on Saturday. Um, yeah, it's cruel. I think there'll be a few worries going around if he did, but I think in this type of game, it was absolutely fine. And to get Oliver off the mark, I think he's actually been a lot better than I thought he would be, Oliver. And uh, to get him off the mark and to get him going, I think it's no bad thing, is it? Yeah, I mean, the, the one thing that you could maybe say, and I don't want to be negative, I really don't here, and I'm not trying to be, but I did see on Twitter a couple of people say, well, he can do it against non-league teams. You know, he scored three against Silby. Was it three or four against Silby? I can't remember now. Know, one of them was an overhead kick, though, wasn't it? Indeed, one of them was yeah. a Rod McDonald special. You're right. Um, <laughs> but he, he, he's not managed to do it in the league yet. And he's actually only really received criticism when he's played in the league. From Curl, I mean. You know, there was that... Uh, which game was it where he basically Curl blamed Verdane Oliver for us conceding a goal because he refused to tackle some guy in the, in the penalty area. Um, you know, he's not had the best of starts, I wouldn't say, to his Northampton career. But it is good to see him get off, isn't it? And, and get off and running, Chessie. It's that age-old argument of just giving a player a little bit of time. Um, I think it's a big adjustment moving clubs at the best of times, but he hasn't settled um, into the squad so I think we we just need to now he's off the mark I think we just need to give him a little bit of time and also give him a bit of backing you know get behind him see what he does and if he if he you know goes on a run and gets a couple of goals then excellent but actually he's a squad player and we our squad is fairly strong at the moment so actually to have somebody like that who is capable just needs a little bit of work I think, I think it's a good addition and I think it's someone that we need to to keep hold of after the game, in, in the Chippenham post-match interview, I, I really liked the way that their manager said that, you know, he, he was impressed with Northampton as a club. We we showed them respect. We sent, you know, a couple of scouts to watch them beforehand. Um, you know, did everything right, I think, is, you know, the way that 
the Chippenham manager, manager put it. And they obviously said that, and he said that they did the same and watched, you know, videos of Northampton's games. I think they came to watch our game last weekend. Um, and then all of his plans were basically ruined by the fact that we just turned around <laughs> and went, two big men up front, what are you going to do? Yeah. He's, he's set up for Hoskins, hasn't he? And just been stunned. <laughs> he wasn't expecting to not have to deal with that, with uh, with Hoskins. Also as well, I think that the height advantage, as I mentioned earlier, that had a huge bearing on the game. If you looked at that... Yeah, didn't didn't it take Chippenham 65 minutes to win a header? It, but it, it, uh, the poor lads that were playing against the, like the likes of Harry Smith, I mean, they were tiny. They really were. And their goalkeepers was tiny as well. So they were up against it before they even started. I mean, Harry Smith is a, is a big bloke. So's for Dane Oliver and I mean Alan McCormack's not tall, but he's terrifying. So they didn't really have much of a chance to start with anyway. It was um pretty good natured though, wasn't it? The whole the whole thing. It just felt like a really good a good match and a good like everyone was being nice to each other afterwards on Twitter and everything and like really complimentary between things between the clubs and stuff. And I thought it was after a weekend where you've got ridiculous things going on in the Premier League about VAR and stuff. It was just nice to actually watch the FA Cup highlights and be like, yeah, this is actually proper football. Like, there's there's, there's great stuff going on all over the place. Like one of the games where, was it Crew or something, where where um, there was two linesmen got injured or something and they was left with one linesman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just like, yeah. They the, flipped yeah, a coin, just, didn't they? They flipped a coin to see which side the pitch was going to be on and things like that. And just these last minute goals going in and like eighth tier teams getting equalizers and stuff and it's like that's what you watch football for and this is i just thought it was a really really good day and a good kind of advert for the cup even though there wasn't an upset which a lot of people would have wanted um it's the type of game that we you enjoy being involved with i think Mm. and equally as well i think that uh, even if we'd come away having lost that all right we'd be really really frustrated at the fact that we'd lost from a team point of view. But actually, if you take into account the whole day, it was a great day. I mean, the whole of Chippenham, there were just hundreds of thousands of people out. You know, Hundreds of thousands? Hundreds and thousands, not hundreds of thousands. Hundreds and thousands. Well played, Chippers. (laughs) (laughs) It was... was I I think um... you are right, though, because it was summed up nicely. So... Last week's opposition fan, Simon Lawrence, who spoke to us on the podcast about Chippenham Town, uh, did send us a message to say it was great to have you guys this weekend, a thoroughly enjoyable day for all, and I'm positive we will never see you again, so live good lives. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he doesn't know that we're coming to the Eddie Cochran Festival, does he? I'm Chris Hargreaves, and it's all cobblers to me. So the draw for the second round has taken place and we'll be playing Notts County at home in the second round. Um, good good draw for you, Danny? It's it's all right, isn't it? It's, it falls into the that'll do category. That was my instant reaction, I think. They obviously got relegated last year. They're doing all right this year. I think they're eighth in the league this year and only five points off the top. So they're actually trying to bounce back at the first attempt, which is quite impressive. And I think Neil Ugly is doing a decent job there. Um, so it will be a tough game, but it's a home game with a chance to get um, in amongst the big boys for for th- round three. So you can't really argue with it, can you? Um, also, Nathan Tyson plays for them. Hey. I saw he, he came off the bench the other day. Um, so that's where we went after his 
amazing trial for us over the summer, which didn't he play in every single game over the summer? Yeah, more or less, yeah. <laughs> we were like, what is he doing? <laughs> but um, that's where we rocked up. Uh, so he'll obviously come on and score. I will say it's quite refreshing to see a team that did go down from League Two to the conference to be doing well. In the past few seasons, you've had sides that have been in total freefall once they've got, well, not just once they've been relegated from League Two, but, you know, obviously during the season that they were relegated as well. Chesterfield, for you know, for one, pretty much, you know, almost nearly went down again, didn't they, last season? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's nice almost to see Notts County heading back in the right direction for such a big club. And Yeovil as well as second, aren't they? So. Oh, um, don't even get yeah. me started. With a game in hand. Oh, it's, it's just it's a nightmare, especially when we lose. Oh, well, well hopefully we'll have a good a good game against uh, Knotts, the, the boys from Knotts, and uh, then we'll be able to play... A big team in uh, in division in division three in round three of the FA Cup. Um, so here's hoping for a. Uh, I don't know what 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 would we want? Would we are we tempting fate to say what we'd want in round three? Yes, I know what I'd want. Oh. Chessie's Ch- 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 not afraid. It's all going to be your fault when we lose. You know, just <laughs> ah, I, I want Arsenal away. Time to look into Neil's post bag then. And with Neil still tied to a lamppost, this week I'll be looking after things for him. So what have you been sending in to us this week? Well, many of you got in touch after the Chippenham game. Most of them similar to this one from Mike Fuller, who said professional performance seemed to drop off in the second half and made Chippenham look better. Would have been nervous if we were only 1-0 up at half time. Nothing less than expected. Yeah, most of... The comments that we were receiving, especially on Twitter after the Saturday, uh, Sunday's game, it was Sunday, wasn't it? Of course, um, were basically to say yes, good, good result, decent performance. Let them back into it in the second half a little bit, but you know what? Professional got the job done, um, which I think is what we've all agreed today, isn't it, guys? Yes. Yeah. Totally agree. This week's question for us to bait, however, comes from at Cobbler Kev over on the Twitter, who asks, who would you rather have in the side, John Joe O'Toole or Alan McCormack? Oh, oh that's horrible. It's like choosing between children. <laughs> Chetty, you're up first. Go on. What Jessie can't choose a favourite. Uh, <laughs> now, so I like you. Jessie's like, I like you both as much as each other. <laughs> Um, it is a tough one. I'll give. I'll it give is it really that. tough. So what I would say to this is, um, currently, I would say John Joe O'Toole all day. However, if we had Alan McCormack maybe three, four years ago, um, we might be saying something different. It's too early, I think, to say who we'd prefer on the basis of what sixteen games this year. Um, but I would say John Joe O'Toole from what I've seen from both John Joe O'Toole and from Alan McCormack. More so because I think that John Joe, the story that went with it and how he started terribly and then came out the other side, we kind of knew what we were getting with Alan McCormack and uh, we've got it effectively. But with John Joe, he disappointed us so badly when he arrived that it, we almost were endeared because of the story that we got. And I think for that reason, because he showed such resilience and such uh, determination to get to the point where he was a fan's favourite. It has to be John Joe. 
Would you agree with that, Danny? I mean, I will say that the transformation that John Joe Tall has gone through at Burton Albion, being turned into a centre-back, that is astounding me, I will be honest. I mean, it's quite a funny thing. If you ever watch any of the highlights, like on Quest, then in any of the, or not all of them, but in a lot of the goals that Burton concede, there is always an out-of-position John Joe O'Toole looking like a <laughs> midfielder playing in defence. Yeah, it's exactly that. And it's something you'd never be able to see coming because in the later days of his career, he was being pushed back, wasn't he? And it, and it always felt like when he was in that deep-line midfielder position, it, it was being wasted. It just felt like you just need to throw him up and give him the chance to be a hero and get get his head on things in the box and stuff. Um I think if it's a case of who would you rather have in the side now, I think I'd rather have Adam McCormack in because I just absolutely love him. Um, but in terms of longevity, um, John Joe Tall has obviously got it. And whether we're going to get that much out of McCormack is debatable because of his age and stuff. But I, I do think he's got the chance if he stays for two or three years to actually get on that level just because he's, he's just amazing. I just, I just want to watch him without watching anything else in the game because he just provides so much entertainment. And uh, I do think that there is that, like you said, Chessie, there's the story behind John Joe's tenure in a cobbler isn't there? The fact that he, yeah, he didn't start off as well as we wanted him to. He gets sent out on loan to South End, and then when he returns, something's clicked in his head, and and Chris Wilder has found uh, the magic beans, if you like, that John Joe needed to be, you know, controlled and turned into uh, an amazing player for us. With Alan McCormack, it is more of a yeah, yeah. I, I suppose it is more of a you're getting what we were expected straight away. I mean, you know, there was obviously the uh, the immediate injury that he had against Walsall that kept him out for several games. So you said, Chessie, there, you know, after 16 games, it's hard to see. Well, we've probably only seen about four or five of those with Alan McCormack in the side. And yet he is turning into a player that's almost invaluable to the side. And like we said last week, you know, are we a one-man team now? Do we need Alan McCormack in that central midfield position to to really dominate games? I don't think we need him, but I think we need his influence around the place um, to bring on players like McWilliams, uh, Pollock, even um, you know the younger lads and stuff. I do, I do think we we are going to need him in the dressing room and around and about if he's not going to play every single game, obviously. But um, I think his influence is there for everyone to see. I think he he does demand a lot on the pitch, and if he can get that in the dressing room as well and off the pitch, I think that's that's just really really crucial, especially in League Two. I'll tell you when I think we'll need him at, at, at an absolute must is I can't believe I'm going to say this either, but um, if. Don't By say it. Miracle, Don't say it. Go. You've already jinxed us in the <laughs> FA Cup. Don't jinx us in the league as well. Um, if if by some miracle we're about ninth, eighth, pushing towards seventh with three or four games to go of the season, he's the kind of player you need. He is the calm influence in that dressing room that you need because the pressure calm. will be unbelievable. Calm. Alan McCormack, <laughs> calm. <laughs> Not well, not on the pitch, but in the dressing room. He, he, he would know how. <laughs> you know what I mean, to be fair. Is um, I know what you mean. Oh, that, I just that, love him. That leadership I just and love experience, him. and it's that is. I think we back to the question. I think we we are quite quick sometimes to be comparing people to old players and stuff, and we do just need to enjoy what we've got and enjoy who it is we're playing at the minute, and just enjoy the fact we are getting this 
question and this comparison in already that we're comparing him to someone who's really well loved here. Um, let's enjoy that and just enjoy seeing him play. The, the one thing that I, I think will define it and will actually answer the question is how good his goal gif is. Yes. Once, we, once, he, once he scores and we see his goal gif, then we'll know the definitive answer to this question. Because Vidane Oliver's is pretty bad. Oh. Who else is it that's got? A, does he think? A, does he think he's in the Premier League and he's and he's just you know doing I it for the sky cameras? I don't think he does. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> no fair point, Danny. Maybe maybe <laughs> he just went. This is the only chance I'm ever going to get to do this. <laughs> I mean, there was who's the other player that's got a really bad? Is it Smith or is it someone else who's got a really bad one? Harry Smith just anything. stands there, doesn't he? Yeah. Which is got- which is annoying because he, he, he kind of helps Sam Hoskins have a fun one <laughs> and then has a boring one himself. <laughs> yeah, I do look forward to seeing Alan McCormack's goal giver. I feel like he's just going to be him staring at the camera and then punching it and the glass just breaks. <laughs> <laughs> that, do you know what? That's so accurate. That is so accurate because that's the kind of thing it's going to be. Part of me actually hopes what it is, is that he's got like a, a really vibrant coloured wig on and he's at, <laughs> sat at a drum kit pretending to be Animal from the Muppets. Because that's what actually animal. what I think he is, an animal. Animal McCormack. <laughs> yes, that's it. Animal McCormack. Brilliant. Right, if you have a question for us to debate on It's All Cobblers to Me, you can send an email to itsallcobblers at gmail.com or drop us a message on Twitter or Facebook where you'll find us by searching at cobblers to me. I'm Chris I'm Wilder, it. and it's all cobblers to me. This Saturday, the Cobblers welcome Dave Artell's crew Alexandra side to the bobbly pitch of Sixfield Stadium. And to get the lowdown on the Alex, I spoke with Anthony Evans of the Crew Alex Fancast. Hi, Ant. Welcome to It's All Cobblers to Me. Uh, so, Crew Alexandra, how, how's your season been so far? You're fourth in League Two as we stand, so you've got to be happy with that, haven't you? We like to say joint second, Charles. Um, uh, first of all, thank you for having me on. It's a, it's a real pleasure to obviously represent, obviously talk about the Alex and Alex fancast. So, uh, real pleasure having me on. So, appreciate that. But yeah, no fourth in the table. We would have snapped your hand off at the beginning of the season with that. If I'm honest, I think a lot of us were probably thinking playoffs. Maybe still a long time to go. But in terms of uh, recent history, this is the best we've had it in a long time. So, no complaints. Really happy so far. Was it something that you were looking at, sort of thinking, or oh, we'll be up there this season, or has it actually been a complete surprise? Like I said, I thought we'd be in the playoffs. I think the key thing for us this summer that we actually retained our talent from the academy this year. So you've got a lot of lads in now. We've probably spent a good three seasons in the first team coming through our academy. You know, a lot of them have got over 100 games under the belt and they actually stayed with the club where we thought a few of them might have been poached by high divisions such as players such as Perry NG, Charlie Kirk, Ryan Wintle, but we didn't actually get any bids for them or, you know, they didn't fall through. So the, the squad that we've had has actually, you know, remained very, very consistent and we've got a really good mix between, you know, uh, youth and experience as well as a decent while to play so we thought playoffs like I said we just missed out on the playoffs last year so we thought if we kick on and get in the playoffs this year that'll be that'll be real progress and something that we'd all be happy with so last year you you lost both times that you faced the cobblers um 
is that all that's changed then? Just that that sort of extra year that you've had as a team together? So I think what we said is obviously when Northampton came to us under Keith Curl for the home game, we got bullied that game. I think Keith Curl knew how to set up against us. He did it with Carlisle and he did it with Northampton. We got bullied and we went behind and didn't really know how to come back into it. Whereas now, I think we've added that edge and that steel to us. So if you actually look at our stats this season, we've gone behind a lot of times in a lot of games. We conceded really early goals early on. And I think previous years, our heads would have gone and we wouldn't have fought back. Whereas this year, we're not panicking. We're sticking to our game and we're actually winning games and we're scoring you know, late goals to get the wins and real steel and determination back. And I think that's just from the consistency of having the settled team and settled formation that Dave Artel wants to play. So we've got, as well as obviously our attacking talent and technical ability, I think we've got that little edge in there now as well. So one of the things that I noticed last season when we played you, I went to both the home and the away games, is that Dave Artel, and, and maybe this is actually more of a historical crew thing, but... You love to play the ball out from the back. You're very technical-minded in terms of the players that you have on the pitch. They all want to play football the quote-unquote right way. How are you, and I'm sorry for asking you this, but I kind of have to, are you looking forward to coming and playing back on our bobbly pitch again? (laughs) I knew that was coming. To be fair, I still didn't know what the whole thing was with that. And I think... um, I think your Twitter is very active after that, wasn't it? Obviously, especially you did the double overall. So to be fair, it was quite funny. So fair play for the Northampton Twitter team with that. I don't think you can blame a, a bobbly pitch, really. You know, you in League Two, obviously you've got other, you know, you've got worse grounds such as you know Newport away, Macclesfield. You know, Six Fields is a nice pitch. It's a nice stadium. There's nothing wrong with that so I just don't I just think we, we needed something to blame it was the pitch on that day but we couldn't we couldn't blame that you know, the better team won on the day and it was simple as that and I think now if you actually look at our away form Charles it's better than our home form we couldn't buy an away win last season I think we won three or four all season we've got six already so I don't think a bobbly pitch is going to be too much of an issue this time maybe you've uh, not cut the grass but if, if if it is a defeat, we can't blame the pitch. You know, it's just got to be what it was on the day. And like I said, Northampton last season did the double over us because they did that in the team on the day, doing more physical and street lines, and you just got to hold your hands up and say, yeah, fair play. It kind of leads me on nicely, actually, to my next question, uh, which is how, how do you view the Cobblers? What's your, what's your thought on Northampton Town as a football club? Team in transition. So you've you got. Keith Kale had a bit of a clear eye in the summer, didn't he? And it was mm. it nine or ten players that you brought in over the summer, if I'm not mistaken? Fourteen, I think, in the end. <laughs> okay, so exactly. So obviously Keith Kale obviously has a certain way of playing and he obviously wants to get his players in. So I think even though you're not actually too far behind us, you're only five points behind us, we we do have a game in hand. You are still a team in transition, whereas we're quite a settled team. So I think that works heavily in our favour and I think at the start of the season you sort of struggled a bit but you seem to have picked up really well now I think you've only lost one in the last five in the league mm-hmm. so I think you've actually started picking up some really good results now and you're sort of motoring on but I still think maybe just that you know, transition period still bedding everyone in might work in our favour but I expect, I expect Northampton to be in and around coming into the season definitely challenging 
has got a passionate fan base. And obviously, we always expect a tough game against Northampton, no matter where we are. You know, if it's in League One or Two, a bit like us in that respect. You know, between League One and Two, sort of thing. But you know, it's always a tough game, and it's always a good place to go as well. I enjoy going to the Six Fields and um, sort of thing. But it has always been a tough game against us. We sort of always know that there's a bit more physicality in say a Northampton team. They can play football, don't get me wrong, but. We always simply try and uh, use sort of height advantage or strength against us, sort of thing, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I mean, we we played away at Chippenham Town on Sunday, uh, and and basically we just put two big men up top and said deal with that. And Chippenham didn't win a header for sixty odd minutes. So exactly. So if if it works, it works. You know, there's no right or wrong way. They obviously, if you're winning football matches, it's the right way, isn't it? If you're losing, it's the it's the wrong way. So everyone has different styles. So you could say obviously we tried to play the right way, but there's pros and cons to obviously both approaches the Going back to Saturday then and, and the game coming up, who are the players that you think we as Cobblers fans should be looking out for in, in the Crew Alex team? First of all, you've obviously got Chris Porter. Who, we play a 4-3-3. We've got a settled pretty much 11. Now, the only change I would say would be Will Yaskalainen in goal as he's away from international duty with the Finland team. So Dave Richards will be in there. And what I would say, if, you, if we do concede a penalty, the man has uh, got an amazing penalty record of actually saving them um, sort of thing so I'll be quite confident if we do give one away that I'd be able to save it so I'd say that first of all but in terms of actually across the team uh, right back our captain Perry NG probably the best right back in the league and um, all the stats back that up as well He's uh, it's, it was such a shock that he actually remained with us in the summer because we certainly thought that um, championship teams were coming in for him he, he's that good you know Usually what happens is, is if you look over the late years, the young academy lads who are given the captain's armband usually moves on. So recent would be Ashley Westwood, who's obviously playing for Burnley now in the Premier League week in, week out. And then Luke Murphy went to Leeds at the time. They both given the captain's armband uh, and made the step up. So that's what we sort of happened with Perry NG. He's still here, but he's a real, real talent. Right back in midfield would be our little mini Esther. Otherwise known as Tommy Lowry, he's about five foot four, but boy, can the boy play. We talk about obviously technical ability, you know, for you know the crew way, you know, ideal crew centre midfielder. You know, you've had all the crew legends throughout the years. That boy is in in that mould, and he can really play. He's really exciting. He can pick a pass, and you know, he's got an eye for goal. And then on the wings, you've probably got Charlie Kirk as well, who's the Assist, assist king on, on that left hand side, and then the uh, old war horse Chris Porter. I think he's 35, 36 now, but he uh, doesn't really, he's one of those strikers. He's a big lad, doesn't really do much in the game, but he knows he knows where the goal is. So I'd probably say Perry and G, Tommy Lowry, Charlie Kirk, who are all academy graduates, and then obviously our main our main striker Chris Porter, who's obviously been there and done it throughout the years. So, talking about this Saturday, then, how do you think the game on Saturday will go? I think you'll um, try and rough us up, start straight away. Like I said, I think that's what Keith Kill implied at the home game last season. So, I think he'll be saying, obviously, to get into us straight away in terms of physicality, let them know that they're there. I think we only really have one style of playing, to be honest, Charles, and that's attacking football. We don't defend. You know, we try and play attacking football, try and play technical. It all depends which comes out first and if you can sustain 
obviously that high press and that physicality because what's been happening a lot this season is because we have so much possession and so much attacking play, we sort of wear teams down and that's why we're scoring so many late goals. But I'm expecting a really tough game. Like I said, Northampton are always, always a well-settled team, very physical and under Keith Curl, they're very organised. So I'm expecting a really, really tough game. But uh, I'm, just with our way on the way we play, I think we've um, not scored as many uh, at home recently because some teams have been coming in sort of sitting back and letting us, letting us play. Whereas I think when we go away to teams, obviously the onus is on the home team. So obviously try and win so that sort of plays in our favour so I think from score predictions I'd go for a 2-1 two, a win for us but it would be a really tough game so I would be happy with a draw but I'm going to go out and say a 2-1 win for the Alex Thanks to Anne of the Crew Alex Fancast, who have already recorded their preview of our game on Saturday so do go and check out the episode it's a game of two halves So that's what Crew think, but what about us? Well, before we get to our predictions, it's over to Danny to tell us a little bit more about the town and football club of Crew. Thank you, Charles. And I'm obviously not going to do this as well as Neil does it, but I'll try and do him justice while he tries to free himself from his lamppost. Um, So Crew obviously uh, play in Newquay, famously. (laughs) Um, The there, there wasn't a lot on crew, I have to say. Um, not, not a great deal of interesting stuff going on in crew, but it was named after the railway station, not the other way around. You usually get a town and then they name the railway station after it, but it was the other way around for whatever reason. There's a crater on Mars uh, named after the town of crew. That was quite interesting. Do you know what it's called? Crew? It is. <laughs> well done, Charles. Ten points. <laughs> There was uh, Bill Bryson, once he's a famous travel writer. I'm sure you know him, Charles. He is, yeah. He once described Crew as the armpit of Cheshire, um, which is pretty... Sm- smelly? Smelly armpit? or uh, Unconfirmed. Unconfirmed. Right, okay. <laughs> they uh, they used to have a carnival, but they don't anymore. Uh, uh, good, uh, good facts. Yeah, lack of funding. Got a nice park called Queen's Park, which... Uh, all kicks off there. There's a bit of a turf war going on as well. There's a, quite a few gangs I found out in crew. Uh, so, <laughs> really? so, so you've got to be careful. There's the um, the notorious Alton Street Army and they're on a turf war at the moment between them and the West End Warriors. So <laughs> when we go for the away game, we've got to stay away from the West End and from Alton Street or we might get involved in some sort of skirmish between the two <laughs> two lots of gangs uh, and there's a market on Mondays Fridays and Saturdays so that's fun um, nice obviously uh, I've got a little um, I thought I'd spruce this up a bit as well I found some quirky uh, crew words that they only use in crew apparently uh, so I want, I want oh, you okay. to, to guess what these mean uh, first one right first one is bletch what do you think a bletch is uh, Jesse any ideas no idea whatsoever. I couldn't be more further away from the north either, so I'm not really helped at all. <laughs> Surely you can guess. Come a on, bletch. A bletch. Um, a bletch is. I feel like I'm on. What was that? What was that old game show where they used to give the uh, odd words and then the, the panel catchphrase? Would... Catchphrase. No, it wasn't catchphrase. <laughs> see what you see. <laughs> It was um, no. It was it was hosted by Sandy Toxwig before her QI days. You remember what that? I was? wasn't alive then. Oh, shut up, you <laughs> youngsters! Um, anyway, someone someone listening will know what I'm talking about. And is screaming down their 
iPod headphones. Um, <laughs> Screaming down their headphones. <laughs> yeah, why not? Hey, Danny, shut up. Uh, <laughs> Do your headphones not also be a microphone these days? Mine are. Uh, no idea. Okay. Uh, a Bletch. Let's go back to it. A Bletch. Um, I, I initially immediately thought of Bletchley Park when you said Bletch. So are they a um, are they a decoder? Um, it's a good guess, Charles, but it's incorrect. It's the oil used on bike chains, apparently. WD-40? Yeah. Bletch, Charles. Right, okay. Any more? Uh, about, yeah, croggy. What's a croggy? Croggy. Yeah. What do you do if you're... Type of frog. It's not a type of frog. I can see where you're going with that, but it's not. You were going to give it's a clue croggy. then, Danny. Yeah, if you, were, if you were doing a croggy, what were you doing? Oh. What were you, get, what were you getting from someone oh. if, you, if you were doing a croggy? Oh, okay. Uh, a, 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 a backy on a bike. Oh, he's, he's got it. Nearly. Oh, boom. Nearly. He's nearly got it. It's the front of the bike. Oh, oh like E.T. Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> E.T. Exactly like E.T. <laughs> <laughs> on the handlebar. About... Is that what they mean? On the handlebar. That's it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, handlebar. I get it. yeah, yeah. I've seen, I've seen yeah. kids doing that. Dang- dangerous. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's not dangerous. Let them live. Let them live. <laughs> they break their arms, so be it. <laughs> E.T. didn't have any arms, did he? How else? Oh, yeah. How else did he, he, he thrown home? He had the little finger thing oh, that he yeah. thrown home with that turned yeah, red. No, you're right. He did the finger. Yeah. Oh, but he did yeah, the. Yeah, <laughs> <so that's it. laughs> move on. Move yeah. on. Next. Oh, next word. Uh, backsies. Backsies. What's that? Well, that's got to be. Oh, backsies. Not backy. Yeah, backsies. No, not backy. Backsies. No. Uh, he's going back from where you've come from. <laughs> Pardon. Going back from where you come from, right. like if you, right, Nigel. <laughs> <laughs> like turning round, three sixty. Going back, see, going, going back, see home. Oh, sorry. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like going back, like from where you come from, like. Turning... <laughs> Don't say it again. <laughs> Oh my like word! Going back the other way. Oh dear, it was nice. Hello, uh, welcome to again. Brexit Cast. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh dear. Uh, right, um, backseas. You've kind of ruined my 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 jokey response was going to be about is it when you say let's go and watch Back to the Future again? But you know you've, you've kind of ruined it. Backseas. Um, let me think. Um, backseas. Oh, I don't know. Um, Backseas. Is it? Is it? Oh, I, don't, I don't know. Is it? Is it when you return something to the pawn shop? Um, no, it's not. Okay. It's the it's the area behind a row of houses where the kids used to play out. Uh, possibly playing Kirby, which I'm assuming they mean Kirby. Kirby. Yeah. Anyway, have you got any more words for us, Danny? Uh, just one more. Yeah. What's the the razor? The razor. The razor. The razor. Going out on the town and getting absolutely slaughtered. Close. Oh. Close. Because that's what we call it in Somerset. Is it running away from the police? So the Razzers instead of the Rozzers? It's not, no. Oh, okay. It's um, it's a well-known area behind the old youth centre in Miriam Street. And uh can't believe you didn't get that. <laughs> Brilliant. Basically, uh, their version of Biker Grove, as far as I can tell. 
uh, famous people. Quickly, famous people, yes. People. Um, Adam Rickett from Coronation Street, and then awful music career. Hmm. Uh, William Cooper, the novelist. Uh, Harold Hankins, an electrical engineer. Um, who else? Oh, yeah. <laughs> You'll like this one, Charles. And uh, Neil will like this one as well. Uh, Blaster Bates. Who? He was in <laughs> Blaster Bates, was that? Brilliant. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Blaster Bates. He was an English explosives and demolition expert. <laughs> Blaster. Blaster Bates. Get through it, Daddy. You can do it. Uh, pull pull yes, through. Blaster Bates. Oh, Brilliant. Thank you very much, Danny. So um what about this League Two encounter then, Jesse? What are you ex- what are you expecting from Crew Alexandra? I think it's gonna be a tough game. Um I think it's gonna be really cagey on account of the fact that uh no one's really wanna gonna oh sorry. No one's really gonna want to slip up, so therefore they're not gonna wanna go for it so much. And I think it could be one of those that it's just going to be one goal that breaks it, and then that'll be it. I think it will. It's going to be so tight. They're pretty good away, aren't they? <clears throat> and we're saying they're second in the league two away form table thing. That's right. Um, I think they've won five out of seven away and scoring plenty of goals as well. So it'll be a toughie. Yeah, he, he, I think he was saying there that he thinks it might be down to the fact that, you know, a lot of teams when they're the home team feel like they have to attack more and and that opens up a bit of space for, for crew. Um, I'm sure Keith Curl will know that though. And it'll probably end up being one of those games that we would, we maybe win. Hopefully we win, but everybody then moans afterwards that they weren't being entertained. Yeah. So be it though, for those kinds of games, so be it. I know we all say we want to be entertained, but if, if it means snatching, three points off for them and, and to use that phrase of the six six pointer. If we can snatch three points from them, it means that we've we're effectively I think we might even leapfrog them, mightn't we? So yeah. mm. you know, it, so be it if it's boring, because actually at this point in the season, running up towards Christmas, we need a decent set of results against teams around us. Yeah, I think an interesting point that was made to me by friend of the podcast Tom Cliff today was that everybody always you know, they use Chris Wilder's team and his legacy uh, as a kind of, uh, you know, benchmark, don't they, for how to judge all the managers that have come since um, and, and obviously been sacked since. Um, but actually, Chris Wilder's tenure, Tom said, to, at the beginning, it wasn't until the second half of the promotion winning season, the title winning se- season, that it was actually really entertaining, expansive football you know, Chris Wilder came in and he, he did a job. He knew exactly what to do with the division. You mentioned earlier on in the show today, guys, that, you know, Alan McCormack, you know, he's the kind of player that, you know, just breaks stuff up and just, you know, acts as a wall almost in midfield. And it's just a, an angry animal almost. Well, substitute Alan McCormack for, for Jason Taylor and there's there's Chris Wilder's version right there for you. Not a lot of hair going on in either of those. <laughs> no. No, not a lot of hair either. Um, um, got, um, our old friend Perry NG, haven't they? They have. I, I know Neil's quite disappointed that he can't be on this week to talk about Perry NG because he, yeah. he loves him, doesn't he? he um, Ant was saying he was the best right back in the league, wasn't he? And I don't think um, Michael Harriman's going to be um, having a go at him in the dressing room for making that kind of bold statement. Isn't he? <laughs> isn't, isn't Michael Harriman a left back, though? No, no, he's right back, isn't he? I'd Is say. he? Okay. Yeah. Thought he's just the best fullback in the league, though, isn't he? 
Full stop. Left or right. Left or right. Well, everyone's not playing either at the minute. So. <laughs> no. It's quite right. a, I noticed that Ant said they've got a little guy in midfield. <laughs> I think uh, Alan McCormack's going to be licking his lips at that one. <laughs> so he's only about five foot three or something, didn't he? Yeah, he's very, very short, uh, I think, Ant said, yeah. So, I mean, Alan, uh, if Alan gets uh, any whiff of that, it's going to be like a tiger waiting for his dinner. He's <laughs> just like licking his lips, waiting for his prey. Oh, well, I was looking at our all-time record against Crew, and it's a fairly, uh, fairly equal affair. We've played each other 68 times. Uh, we've won 28 of those. Losing twenty four, and then obviously that leaves sixteen draws in there. So we're 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 four ahead at the moment on the win stakes. Two of those, obviously, were last year where we beat them both home and away by two goals to nil. Um, that's even with a bobbly pitch and a very drunk me supporting them in the away game. Um, they're currently fourth in League Two on thirty points. Um, they've won nine games this season so far, drawn three and lost four. They've got a goal difference of plus 10. They've scored 18 and only conceded eight. So they are up there on merit. And the thing that I actually didn't realise and I'd forgotten up until the point that I was speaking to Ant was that last season, crew weren't actually that bad. Yes, we did the double over them, but they only just missed out on the playoffs. So maybe this is, as Ant suggested, the kind of natural progression of that crew Alexandra team. So I, I think you're right. I think that it is the natural progression for them. And I do think that they're the kind of team that are kind of doing what we're doing, kind of did last year, what we're doing this year in the fact that they, they really built last year and they did miss out on the playoffs, but actually Again, it could have been one of those building seasons. So I think effectively we're kind of mirroring what they did last year at the moment. So it could make for quite an interesting game because I do think that they are on a bit of a journey, so to speak. And I think they're further along that journey than than what we are. Are they on a wave? Yes, possibly. They're riding a bit of a wave. Hmm, lovely. <laughs> Danny, what, what were you thinking then for, for this Saturday? It was... I don't know, are you as uh, as worried as Chessie sounds? No, I'm not actually, weirdly. Um, I think it would actually suit us playing against a team like that. Um, I think they'll they'll come out and try and play the game, but they'll get crushed by the sheer presence of Alan McCormack and Charlie Good and Nicky Adams and Harry Smith. Um, and obviously a returning and fresh Sam Hoskins. He's had seven days rest <laughs> and... I'd forgotten all about their bobbly pitch comments last year until, until Ant mentioned it. Um, so there definitely will be a few chants if we go goal up about the bobbly pitch. Yeah, I think so. Good old, old Dave Artell still in charge, is he? He is, yeah. Dave Artell is still there. No Kevin Van Veen this year, obviously, at Sixfields no. to get him angry in the last seconds of a match. Um, hopefully. Apparently he, stayed, he only stayed for an hour on Sunday. Apparently came to watch it. Yeah. Only stayed for Apparently so. But I mean... To be fair, I think we could have all gone home after 60 minutes, couldn't we, on, on Sunday? So, in, including our players. Uh, sorry, Chippers. Um, <laughs> let's go with some predictions then. Um, I'm going to start this week. I'm going to go with a 2 0 win to banish the hoodoo of the 2 2. Um, so we'll have more 2-0 wins than we will have had 2-2 draws this season if that happens that's what I'm hoping for Um, 
I, in fairness, I, I do think that we will win this game. I, I, I think we've got something, or Keith Curl seems to have something over Crew. Ant mentioned in his preview in his chat with me before that Keith Curl has done it to Crew before um, as Carlisle manager. Um, he, he just seems to know how to set a side up against them, Ant was saying. So I think that'll happen again this time around. Um, so 2 0, goals from Harry Smith. And I, I think, I think you know, I, I, what I'd absolutely love to see is an Alan McCormack Thunderbolt. But I don't think oh. it will. I think it'll be a Matty Warburton tap-in for the second. Amazing. Jesse, we'll go with you next. I think we will win. I think it'll be tough, but I think we will win. I think we're going to win 1-0. And I think it will be a lucky header somewhere in amongst the a corner somewhere. Um, late on, and I think it'll probably be Harry Smith. Good, okay. Another goal for Harry Smith there. That's good. Um, that would make it five in ten, of course. Um, uh, Danny, lastly, um, first of all, have you got uh, a prediction from Neil this week? I did. Just just as you started that predictions bit, Charles, um, ironically, I got hmm. a text from Neil. That's not um, surprising, seeing as his hands are tied behind his back. And there's a lamppost in between them. Yeah, I think he managed to, get, managed to convince a Portuguese local to text in uh, Good. his prediction for us. Um, and he said 7-0. 7-0? Seven 7-0 nil. Seven nil. Seven nil to, to Northampton Town. So were you about to say to Luton? <laughs> no, no, that. No, uh, has he managed to um, get the Portuguese locals to, um, you know, know our first team 11 and give you some goal scorers? Um, yes. He just, well, hold on, let me scroll down. Um Hoskins three. <laughs> uh, this is Mc McCaw McCaw McCausa snitch. I think that's probably McCormack. That's supposed to say uh, two. How many is that? Five. Yeah, that's five. Um, Glad you're keeping Arnold. count. Got Steve Arnold as one. Steve Arnold is he coming on as David James? Because I think Di Cornell will be back in goal on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Arnold's going to come off the bench apparently. And then who else has he got? Let me just. Oh, part two of two. Um, oh, Charlie Good, the last one. Oh, very good, very good indeed. Uh, prediction from his lamppost, though. Yeah, very good prediction. Very good typing from uh, the Portuguese there. Brilliant. Um, and and that leaves us with you, Danny, for your prediction, which I'm sure will be really, really sensible. It's gonna be bold. It's gonna be bold, um, Charles. Do you remember when we beat them six two that time? I I do. Yes. I mean, what game that was? Um. The reason I mentioned that was because I am going to go. You hold on to your hats. Um, I'm going to go for nil nil. Oh my gosh! I hope not, given the fact that I'm driving 350 miles to watch it. <laughs> um, no, I'm not going to go nil nil. I'm going to. I was going to go one nil, but um, I'll go two one. Two one. Two one sounds two, one. sensible, but I would I would worry about being two one up. Going into the last five minutes. No, I, I think we were going to score first and then we're going to turn it around in the last 10 minutes. Oh. Uh, Dane Oliver is going to come off the bench. He's going to nod one in. And then we're going to get all excited and go just go gung-ho and just pour everything into the box. And uh, Harry Smith's going to tap one over the line. And the, the uh, new version of SAS is born. So can we just say a quick... Uh, Good luck to Neil and Polly as well before we go. Yeah. Because they are um, completing their nuptials at the weekend. They are indeed. 
And that now brings an end to another It's All Cobblers to Me. Thanks, as always, to Chessie and Danny for joining me. Thanks also to Anne Evans of the Crew Alex Fancast. Make sure you do go and check them out. And, of course, thank you to you for listening, tweeting, Facebooking, and emailing us. We really do appreciate all of your support. We'll be back with another podcast next week, as long as Neil's wife-to-be doesn't kill us for sneaking him out of the wedding to go watch the Cobblers, that is. See you next week. Last of beats. Bye, Ash. It's All Cobblers for Me is a vibrant sound media production for the fans of Northampton Town Football Club. Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers to Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me.